Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Hey there, welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I'm joined with Anna DiDio, and I'm so excited to have this conversation on some very, very important topics. So welcome, Anna. Thank you so much. Great. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and kind of how this even came about. Uh, well, after a, um, a, a first marriage with some infertility issues, I was divorced, then remarried, and uh, we tried for a, a child. We were lucky enough to have a, a biological uh, a child, and but adding to the family proved impossible. So we started to investigate adoption alternatives and through happenstance uh, became aware of um, an agency that dealt with many orphanages in Mexico mm-hmm. and connected with them. And uh, because we were looking for a girl, so yeah, I'll fill in the details. The, our, our daughter, by the time we looked into many, many adoption alternatives, our daughter was uh, already eight. Mm-hmm. So we were looking for an older child and uh, connected with this agency that dealt with Mexico and began the uh, conversation with them and ended up adopting uh, a seven-year-old from Cornavaca, Mexico. Oh, what a blessing. How amazing. So tell us about that journey of going from, you know, discovering and looking into it. Cause it's a long journey, right? Yes. To go through oh, yes. An adoption process. So how was that for you guys? Um, the, 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 the stress connected with that is just, it, it seems like it's never ending because you don't see any, light you don't know you you put out so many feelers make so many phone calls and this is you know before the internet really so you're you're waiting your the the uh, process of discovery is all that much more difficult again a new computer i just took the phone book and just called every single listing you know an adoption but really came to the conclusion that in the united states we were looking for perhaps foster to adopt but uh, the w- word was that, no, you know, you, the only place to do that is really in your own state and um, the emotional, uh, everything emotional connected with that. We, we weren't sure because we already had a child. We wanted to, the circumstances around the international adoption process was really right for us. So that's why we went with that. So how old are your daughters now? Uh, 26 and 27. Awesome. Okay. So yes, long time ago. <laughs> And so you've been on a journey since then, um, loving on other people that have gone through adoption process as well, right? Yes, we've, well, we've stayed connected and I can talk a little bit more that, about that. We've stayed connected with the women in Mexico. Oh, neat. Okay. And uh, then just, uh, you know, connected to the uh, families that we've known. Uh, and then my, my books, I started, to, I wrote a memoir. Actually, I started to journal the whole experience, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, thinking, Oh, this story is just so incredible. No one's going to believe it. Oh, neat. And um, so then I, I actually, I self-published the memoir in 2019. Okay. And so, you know, reconnected with a lot of uh, organizations that facilitated the adoption process. And uh, then, you know, began to think, well, what, what do I have to say about adoption? What is the, what is the, the, uh, the missing piece here? The, the piece that I think is missing is the, 
awareness and knowledge that, that, that adoption starts with separation, loss, all adoption is, is trauma, really. Mm-hmm. And for parents to accept that and find a, a, a vehicle to open that conversation and keep that conversation going, I decided to write children's books from the point of view of the child. So what do you mean? So all adoption is trauma. What does that mean? Well, there's something called the primal wound that I, that I've read about and the act of separation from the biological mother creates um, this uh, 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 reaction in a child that uh, manifests itself through life Mm -hmm. with can be all sorts of things, you know, depression and uh, anxiety and sense of loss, uh, separation anxiety. And, you know, we saw that with our daughter, just so, so many, you know, testing behaviors and, and, and just trouble acclimating to the family. And so and, even, so even if they come into a very loving family. Yes. And that's really, that's really the, the, the funny thing, you know, and in fact, well, just, picture for a second. I mean, she was seven years old. So one day she was in Cornavaca, Mexico in an orphanage with like 30 kids. It was, they were young. So they were boys and girls within the same, uh, in the same orphanage Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of having a a great time. And the the women that took care of them were called Tia's Mm -hmm. super loving and gentle. And the, the director of the orphanage was this charismatic woman that just cared for the children so much. And then literally like the next day, she's in suburban Philadelphia. Oh gosh. So I mean, that is just, I, at the time, you know, I just don't think I appreciated the trauma of that. Right. And so all these years later, you know, began to write, how can I, how can I, you know, reduce this down to some nuggets of wisdom for parents, families to, to have a discussion about um, what's happening. You know, so many people said to me, oh, she's so lucky to be adopted by you. And she's so, well, you know, yes, we're, well, I think we're a great family, but that's <laughs> not what, it, that's not what I wanted her, you know, to have this realization. I wanted her to, you know, we had to meet her where she was and accept right. herself. And so anyway, it's a long process and the writing really helps with that. Yes. That's neat. very therapeutic and helps you understand yourself. And, um, but she, so she came to the States at age seven into yes. your family, left a group of friends to now having one sister. Who was an only and... child for eight years. Right. So she's probably yeah. got her own <laughs> ways of so doing she things. had her, exactly, her own yeah. stuff to deal with. And then now it's acclimating to a new world. Everybody, basically, mom, dad, right. I mean, the whole family. Um, and you didn't really expect some of the, some of the struggles, right? Exactly. Yes, correct. I did not expect, I did not expect it to go on for so long. I thought, well, of course there has to be an adjustment, but a year or so. Exactly. And that's the reason for the, for the books. Mm -hmm. And and of course the books have to be wrapped up in 700 words. So that's not as, you know, the the element of realism in the children's book is (laughs) questionable, but, but just, you know, as a way to focus on this and, and really open that conversation. That's really why I started to, to write these. When your book one is many people to love and book two, how I wonder where you are. Yes. I and mean, that's incredible to think about. It's to start a conversation. It's short. It's like you said, 700 words. Right. 
Right. The second book. Yeah, and the second book will be released maybe later this summer. But good. The focus, the, the focus there is, you know, as an adopted child, wondering, you know, I don't look like this family. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm with. You know, there's there are two of us, two of us, uh, my daughters, and you know they don't look like each other. They don't sound like each other. Mm-hmm. And you know what 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 is she thinking? What, let's give give adopted children permission to wonder and think about their you know genetic makeup, their roots, their their birth mom. Their that's that's okay. They need to process this. Is really the point again? The point of the. Uh, of the children's books. Well, it's sad to me to think about how many people even even just move from one country to another, maybe even come to the States, but it's it's almost like that has to die. My past must die. I must acclimate here. And it's so heartbreaking because that's, oh, no, bring your, bring your rituals and your like traditions and there's such mm-hmm. beauty in those. And we try to embrace that as much as we could um, but, you know, we, we did not speak Spanish. She, she said to us uh, very early on, why, why did you adopt me if you don't even speak Spanish? And, and we were like, well, you know, we wanted a family. And, and you know, all, all our needs were so paramount, our needs, our family. Mm, yes. And we did, we did try and, and to embrace her culture as, as much as possible, visiting Mexico, connecting back to the orphanage as the years passed. Um, but she did lose her Spanish and, you know, very quickly, as a matter of fact. And, so, you have, uh, so she's been back a few times? Yes. Well, she had the opportunity to, we were on, on vacation. She had a study abroad uh, oh, no. opportunity. Okay. And uh, then our, our older daughter, our, our biological child, also had a, a work opportunity in Mexico and had connected and volunteered at that same orphanage, believe oh. it or not. How and then amazing. we all went back to visit. So it was very, it was very emotional. Neat. And so what would you tell parents then that are considering adoption and the process of adoption? Well, first of all, be patient with yourselves because, you know, and just read, read, read and connect with others that have adopted, connect with professionals at each stage of the child's development, because there is a real difference in, in adopting infants, of course, she was seven and could articulate and had so many of those precious memories. So, so she really had the double whammy. You know, she had this beautiful uh, experience, childhood in Mexico with these loving caregivers. And then, as I said, the next day, oh, she's in Philadelphia. <laughs> she was just beside herself. And again, I, I, I just would, depending on the facts and circumstances, I. I was reading something the other day about adoption and the quote was every single adoption is unique. I mean, every, every family is unique and all the circumstances are unique. Um, every family has its own little culture and its own little, uh, you know, ways of doing things, faith and, and um, everything, food, religion, family, relatives. So it's just a matter of uh, getting used to that. I, I remember one of the first assignments and this is, part of the second book is the the dreaded family tree assignment Mm. so yeah all the kids are just oh great cutting out papers and gluing photos of family and my my daughter was like okay what what is what is this family tree who who are these people so 
things that you just don't even think about just takes, takes time to really work through. Mm-hmm. And they could uh, be longing to be a part of a family and still they will have to grieve letting go of orphanage in your daughter's sake and friendships yes. and the tias and absolutely. Yes. It's just, it, it's separation and loss, yes. you know, trauma. And that is just, again, something I, I didn't fully appreciate. And it's much more, and this was, you know, 20 years ago. So now this is much more of a conversation about adoption, but I, but I, you still see and hear so many, you know, right. misconceptions and giving um, well, everything. Well, it's, it's constantly in the news and in the uh, uh, movies, TV, every, you know, there's, there's, but there's much more realization now about what, what it means to be adopted. Right. Yeah. The idea of I'm going to go rescue someone um, is oftentimes the focus. I'm going to go save this child. Right. So right. That's, and yes, there are so many countries where that's actually very much true. Um, it's heartbreaking what happens. So we, we're watching a documentary of the, I think it's 31 million orphans in India that live on the streets. Wow. It's like, it's my brain can't wrap around that and the need, but it was talking about how as they get older, they can't go into an orphanage even because they've lived right. on the streets on their own so long kind of where they're their own boss, they, they have a hard time going in under rules. Exactly. And there are rules uh, in the, at the, at the orphanage and, and some, um, you know, where, where my daughter came from, they could stay as long as they need to. And, and she would help with education and, and some, many of the children ended up working there. And, mm. but it's, you know. And then um, come to your home, like you mentioned, every family's got their own culture. Right. And so then acclimating to that culture. Right. Well, you know what, one of the first things she told me when she could articulate a little bit, actually, so uh, when the women from the orphanage did visit us at one point, again, it's in my, it's in my memoir. It was, it was just a a day that you would never want to live twice. And um, she said through, at that point, she was just speaking Spanish. And she said that, here I'm thinking, you know, this loving home, I'm cooking what I think are, you know, our favorite meals and trying to share them with her. And, and, you know, we have a, a swing set out back and lemonade on the porch. And she says, you know, I'm bored. This is just, I'm just so bored. <laughs> Gosh, oh goodness. <laughs> because there, there was the, my other daughter, I mean, there's just one other child. Right, to right. Where's the other 20 something? didn't speak her language like what fun is that and you don't you're not eating the food I like to eat and yeah. oh my goodness and it was just such a a realization for me you were bored oh my goodness and so it, that was kind of one of the the beginning uh thoughts that was kind of a gut punch yeah yeah and it's very different adopting a baby right um which also still comes with trauma because of whatever happened yeah. in the womb Exactly. Uh, we've seen that very clearly. Could be you could have adop- adopted them the day they're born, and there's still yes wounds and trauma, which shows how critical the those nine months in utero utero are. So yeah, that, that biological connection is just something not to be underestimated. Yeah, yeah. So then, if someone is considering adoption, there's obviously some great adoption agencies out there. 
Um, I know the biggest question I hear is that question between foster care system here in the States that has great need versus international. Do you have any words of wisdom? I'm just beginning. I don't have experience with the foster care system and I'm just beginning now to, to just really understand what the, you know, the hurdles are, the various state uh, issues and things. And that's exactly my, my next, uh, you know, project. So if your listeners have experience with that, I'm looking for, you know, what nuggets of wisdom would I want to reduce down to a children's book? What are the, the lessons? I, you know, I, I've heard of some and there are parallels to adoption, but um, it's a unique uh, addition to the family, a unique structure. And I uh, applaud those uh, parents that, um, that, that do that. It's, it's and because you're welcoming someone in you, and you don't know the circumstances are, are you know, by nature temporary right. because there's a, a a strong uh, wish to return to the, the, the biological parents, but I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't know what different states and different there are different laws. So I'm, I'm just beginning to to um, kind of dig into that a little bit, but investigating what would be good for a children's book. I know my sister; she's um, done a lot of foster care, and um, it blows my mind how she will take babies in, care for them for a year, year and a half, and then let them go. And how much not only has that been a ministry to these kids, but it's changed their whole family, all the other kids, because she has five kids of her own. And they're all going to be different people because of all these kids that have come through their house that they got to love on, um, but then got ripped away because there's trauma yes. there. And Right, right. Because they're, um, they're all in their own path. Right. In the court system or with their... right biological parents but so you know you're you're exactly right i've heard that that is the most challenging aspect the, the goodbye mm-hmm. and you know how do you how do you say goodbye and you're and this child is in your arms for two years because as an infant i can't it's imagine. really i can't imagine mm-hmm. so these are the challenges and ha- ha- what does that do to the child I, I mean i don't know these are all questions that i have too that are very very interesting and as I said, there are parallels to adoption, um, but I'd like to, you know, open that conversation for, you know, parents and foster children. Now, so how, how did this impact your marriage, this whole process? Because that's like my heart's marriages. And um, I see oftentimes when there's this much stress, it actually fractures the marriage if it's not, if you're not careful or it reveals some of the cracks and some of the Right. weakness. How did that go for you guys? You know, it's, we, we do get that, ask that question a lot. And it's, it sort of naturally evolved into a divide and conquer sort of situation. Right. We're both very good at somewhat different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned my husband's a professor and boy, he was so good at homework and just, you know, <laughs> following up and, yeah. and he worked at a location nearby and could do the pickups, do the doctor visits. And then, you know, I did a lot of the, well, you, since they were both girls, kind of the girly things we did, you know, baking and creating cooking was, was a wonderful activity because I could both give them something to do. That was sort of a divide and conquer with them. Mm-hmm. Try to even that out. Uh, no, I want to do the dry ingredients. No, <laughs> I, I want to do the wet ingredients. So, 
um, and of course, shopping for things. And so it, it, it really it increased our communication because we were in touch about those things. Good. Good, good. Uh, it, it, that was uh, good for us. You feel like you got stronger and stronger as, as the years went on? As a couple? Good. That's because good. The, the, the challenges changed and we were able to change with that because I don't think uh, either of us you know, ever thought we had all the answers okay. and we did seek the help of professionals that, and that changed, of course, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, initially, you know, we had a therapist that was, uh, specialized in play therapy. So we had a little family interaction and I always wanted to create the opportunity for my daughter to be able to tell things to someone else. Yes. You know, not, not me. Why, why, you know, I don't, and create that safe space somewhere else and work out some things. Then when she was a little bit older, um, you know, we, well, first we tried to support Spanish with some tutors and, you know, getting that back. Uh, and then um, uh, counselors that specialized in kind of the adolescent, mm -hmm. you know, a whole bunch of other things start happening right. as they're, as they're growing on. Um, I don't mean to be corny, but I'm a woman now. And, Again, my yep. mom, my who's, what family was I from? And oh my goodness. So those questions keep, yep. it's not like they're ever settled. Oh, good. Glad we got that, you know, done. Right. <laughs> no, it's, good point. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it keeps, it keeps rolling in, in different, uh, you know, varieties. Mm -hmm. I know the, the two words that came to mind with you and your husband was adaptability or flexibility um, and um, the ability to, well, it's, so I guess that's the change one, ability to grab on to change, but also teachability. They're yes. not knowing it all, being able to learn from her, um, kind of meet her where she's at, that adaptability and teachability is such a critical. And I see that in my premarital counseling as well, where if I think I know it all and I'm not flexible, I get locked in certain patterns and life is going to throw you curveballs no matter what direction you go. So choosing to adopt is actually choosing a much more difficult path. <laughs> it's true. Yes. It's very intentionally, hey, this is going to be hard. But if you think of 20 years ago, how much literature has come out in the last 20 years, it's really been helpful. It's really mm -hmm. been eye-opening. It's really focused on the trauma um, that we didn't know back then very well. So you guys really yeah. had it. Yeah, I just didn't want to accept, right? You know, because there's so, um, well, there's just so much uh, celebration around just what only the good that we want to see, and there's so right. much, you know, good about adoption, but it's 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 got to be handled realistically for yes. for the children. Yes, and as you've said, it's every child's different, and every child's got their own um, even vices and proclivities and things that they're going to be drawn to. So how to navigate um, all that. I know one family, I know that this actually kind of when the, things locked down a couple of years ago, they are actually were able to kind of hunker down as a family and they have four adopted kids. And they said it was actually neat to watch the process that almost they didn't get to have happen earlier. They got to kind of nest a little. And that was a neat kind of picture of yeah, these, you get so one, distracted. Yes, yeah, they had one adopted child from another country and then they had three from the foster care system here. 
just mm-hmm. all of a sudden join or four yeah four just all of a sudden join the family and then right to school right to busyness and so to be able to nest i actually saw a lot of neat things happen in the beginning of that kind of families all together and um that there's actually if you look and look at the literature there's such an importance of that mm-hmm. um, when adopting and kind of acclimating to the new world that it, you're in. because it was it was a simplification life was like simpler because you didn't have all those choices and um you know my the girls were out of the house by then but it was funny I was kind of wishing oh I wish they were here and I could cook you know chicken soup for everybody or something but um you know I I can see where that would be beneficial Mm -hmm. so how are they doing now where are they at now your two daughters oh my goodness um well they're both college graduates of course and uh, one lives on the West Coast. The older daughter lives on, on the West Coast. And she is she was always, um, you know, mathematically inclined. She's, she's an engineer. I mean, she oh, wow. was always, a, you know, a super student. And, um, I, and then my, our younger daughter, she's, she lives locally near us, which is great. And I get to see her. And she works for a nonprofit. And uh, she does amazing work. And she's assigned schools uh, that have uh, many children uh, do not speak English. So she has her Spanish fully reclaimed. Yay, good. And, yeah. And I really saw that as a, um, well, you know, she, would, she, would, she would deny this, but I, <laughs> I saw it as just such a boost in her confidence and self-assuredness. And she, uh, you know, when, when school class uh, started uh, in Spanish, uh, like middle school, like middle school, then high school. Each mm-hmm. year, as as the assignments got a little bit more uh, involved, and it began to return to her. It, and then when she went to college, it was like like a light bulb, you know, went off. And her her accent is beautiful, and it just sounds incredible. I see. I know. To me, that's when I hear Spanish, my heart skips a beat. I grew up in South America. Oh, you did? Oh, so wow. all my education through my senior year of high school was in Spanish. So and you're so, fluent? So I'm fluent, yes. And, oh, wow. Um, and when I hear, especially certain accents, like that just makes my heart just, oh, and I already have chills just thinking about it right now. Um, certain TV shows, certain kind of things that I hear. Um, but when I went to Costa Rica for a, some dental work that we did, in Costa Rica a few years ago, we were driving the taxi. And I mean, I look like this. I'm, you know, white, redhead. My wife is too. And um, we're driving in the taxi and the taxi driver goes, hey, you from Chile? I was like, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I still had the accent. He actually could tell by my accent Get that I was from Chile. I was like, that's impressive. Yes. So there's something so personal about that, that no one else you know, can experience what I experienced there. And so that's important for her too, of that identity. Well, that's so funny that, that you said that because when she started to really take off uh, in, in Spanish, she was uh, in the study abroad program. And then we visited her in uh-huh. um, Mexico. But the, the, the students, before she left for Mexico, the students that she was close to in, at college, um, we're, we're not from Mexico. So we, we get, we get to Mexico and we're talking to the professor 
And I said, well, how is she doing? How's her, is her Spanish holding up? Because you have to go to class and, and you're not there to just, you know, order food. You're there to really <laughs> right. go to college. Yeah. And uh, he said, yes, she's doing wonderfully. But, you know, it's funny. She has a Puerto Rican accent, which what? cracked me up. Because, oh, how funny. Because she was hanging around the kids that were speaking Spanish in college in Pennsylvania. Oh, how funny. from Puerto Rico. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Or from like from New York and mm-hmm. from Puerto Rico. So they had Puerto Rican accents. And I thought, well, I wouldn't have noticed that in a million years, but it was so funny. And so she was, um, I think she was surprised to even like hear that, but you're right. The different accents are so telling. I know my middle sister, she actually, if she's around you for 30 minutes, she will adapt her accent accidentally to yours. She, she's this chameleon when it comes to that. It's so creepy. That's good though. Yeah. And it's funny because other people have accents, like speaking in a different language, they hold on to their accent from home. Mm -hmm. I think that's just fascinating in terms of how the brain works and how we hear Mm -hmm. and communicate and just a neat yeah. I, I love languages and how, again, I wish, I wish we did a better job of teaching people to hold on to that heritage and hold on to some of that identity stuff. Um, true. True. Very true. So important. And that's to me, one of the things for, even for us talking right now is for parents to really think about that, how to, how to create an environment in your home that lets them navigate some of that. Cause there might be seasons they don't want to that they want to deny and you need to be able to navigate that carefully. You're still the parent, but being able to let them almost reject some to them, then if a year later they pivot and now they want to embrace it. So how to navigate with them and meet them where they're at is really critical. Right. Yes. Yeah. What would you say were some of the struggles? You don't have to obviously reveal details because of your daughters, but some really the struggles that really were the most difficult hurdles over the years raising um, your two daughters? Well, one of the most difficult that is still somewhat even present now is I mentioned that, uh, you know, one daughter on the West Coast and the other daughter was close, close by. But I mean, growing up, they were so, so different personality wise. And you know, here we were at the beginning of this doing it, thinking, oh, we're going to have two girls, we're going to be best friends, we're going to be going vacations, all kinds of good good stuff. And, you know, that was a continual, um, I mean, it almost felt like a failure to me, because I just couldn't, and, and it was not anyone's fault, really, but they evolved into two totally different you know, human beings. And I, I have to say now later, now that they're older, it seems to be, you know, they're appreciating each other a little bit more, maybe relying on each other a little bit more, what the, but they're both so independent. So yeah. I'm, and it's, I, I'm, I miss my daughter who's on the West coast. So, uh, but that, that's the number one thing. Yeah. Neat. That's interesting to think about. And I wonder, and I, I can think of different families around us, the closer in the age, it seems like for some, they just become best friends. But sometimes I've seen when there's a big difference in age, they become best friends because there's a, a little bit of a caring of. Right. It's like, not that there's one or the other is going to cr- create that, but it's interesting to see the, the personalities of the kids and 
the culture of the home even. Well, they were only, uh, they're only a year apart, mm -hmm. but they were two years apart in school. Mm -hmm. And they, they ended up going to different high schools. And that almost was a good thing because then they had their own space to sort right. of develop. But um, at the end of the day, so, so different in personality. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how that develops. As I said, we're, we're, we're well, planning. I, yeah, I call them my experiments. <laughs> so I mean, my three kids are my experiments. Um, as in, I don't have a say in all of the things that they turn, how they turn out and a lot of those things but I will be, have been a huge influence on mm -hmm. who they are, the decisions they make, the bad choices they make. They, you know, that's like, we create that culture. You mentioned that culture of either punitive where everything is bad and wrong or um, full of forgiveness and grace. Like each home is creating a different world that changes that kid's future. That's yeah. That's so, that's so true. And you want to, and you want to try and fill it with, you know, all the good memories that you can when they're mm -hmm. younger and, and living at home together. And, you know, I see that now that we're all, um, you know, separate and apart, but it's, it's yeah. still, it's still a joy. And that's probably why I decided to write about it and, and continue neat. it. Neat, neat. What are some of the things you did when they were growing up that are some good memories? Oh, the, the cooking, definitely. Okay. We, um, neat. You know, I'm, I'm like a cookie addict. So I do make, a, we make, we made a lot of cookies and, uh, and meals together and trying different recipes. You know, I still, I still watch a lot of cooking shows and trade recipes with, with the girls. Neat. And uh, so that's, that's really, that's really one of the best memories. That's neat. And know, we, love, we love road trips. So we do long, long road trips. So yeah, that's ours. And our, our middle son the other day was like, yeah, I've hated them all. Like, <laughs> so, can't win. Time, yeah. Time at the beach too. We're, we, we live um, on the East coast. So we're, so we're on, go to the beach together. And as, really? as kids, how, they, how far they is they the beach? Uh, like an hour and a half. New nice. we're, I'm in yeah. Philadelphia. So we go to the Jersey shore. I didn't realize it was that close. Okay. Nice. I've only flown into Philadelphia a couple of times to teach at Eastern. So I've um, just been airport, teach, leave. So haven't been able to look around, but neat. I, I went to Villanova. So we, so that's uh, in our backyard, right? Nice. Nice, nice. Neat. So then what would you say? I, I love the, the book you have. And by the way, the book title is Love at the Border and Adoption and Adventure by Anna Marie. That's Didier. the memoir. That's the memoir. Yeah. And so that one is available on Amazon. And the link yes. will be in the show notes. Um, your website is uh, amdidio.com, which will have that also in the links. Yes. Um, and do you talk and work with people, talk with people that are considering adoption? And do you offer uh, that? Informally, yes. Okay. I've done some pro bono, you know, people reach out and mm -hmm. want, and, you know, during the pandemic, there was a lot of waiting around and things. So just uh, unofficially, kind of thing. I do, I do a lot of, um, the, my volunteer work is is uh, uh, connected mostly to, to women in under-resourced countries, and I do Wonderful. I do a lot of fundraising for that. But uh, connected to adoption, it's also volunteer, but very informally. That's wonderful, wonderful. But definitely, your check out your writings, check out 
um, your books. And then I love the idea of the children's books. I think that is such a great resource. We need more and more of that. We loved having different kinds of books on our kids' bookshelves, just intermingled in and how they would just all of a sudden appear and enter a conversation and then disappear for a while. Or they ask a question and you can go pull one off the shelf and say, hey, well, let's read this and talk. And that's yes. such a great, great tool um, for those younger years, for sure. And even right. as they get older, I mean, we still like some of our, still have our children's books, a lot of them. Um, well, you don't know what's going to spark a conversation. That's yeah. really, uh, you know, even as they get older, uh, they got older. I, I, I found out that was... Um, you know, it had to be, you had to leave yourself open to that and provide as many opportunities as possible to have those conversations. And, and sometimes it was a book, sometimes it was a TV show, sometimes it was a, a, something on the news, but just, you know, spending time together and being open for that was, was critical. Do you think everyone that's uh, considering adoption needs to go become a, get a counseling license and... <laughs> No, they just have to have an open heart. I mean, it's, yes. it's, uh, if you're ready, if you're ready to accept this child, uh, then you're also ready to accept the things that come with it and, and seek the help of others. Yeah. So, so it's really being honest with yourself because you right. are careful. People are lying to themselves um, in la la land, basically not being realistic. So I, and I think a lot of the adoption books that are available some of the ones in the last, you know, five, 10 years are really good at painting a clear, true picture um, of this is going to be hard. You're going to face trauma. It's going to disrupt your family. Some of the difficult pieces. And here's how you navigate those. Right. So right. Again, I love that you're writing for kids as well and look forward to your future, um, well, future yes. work as well. We need, we yes. need more of that. So. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to, as I said, digging into some of these other topics too, and sort of boiling them down. I think that's really the, the key. Yes. And that's um, hopefully anyone considering adoption, you need to make this your life study. By choosing this, you're make, it's not just a choice you make and then you move on with your life. It's one that you're now investing in someone that actually probably needs you more than you realize and wants to reject you and will hurt you more than you realize. Right. Um, and that's where I mentioned earlier how critical the marriage is. How if the marriage is fractured over all this, and I see that a lot, um, where there's, because of, you mentioned how you guys were so different, and so you divide and conquer. That yes, 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 yes. Because what I see is, no, you're supposed to parent like me. And that's where we're going to fail miserably because no, you're different as a husband and wife, we need to maximize each other's strengths. And it's, it was so true. I mean, as we evolved in our, in our family story, you know, I had a certain way of doing things and it was, you know, we were so different. I was just, you know, misorganization and there's a timeline we're doing this. And <laughs> very, I don't know. It, 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 it did work out. So I'm, I'm, Yes. very happy about that but uh it's it was looking back on it, it seemed to go so fast but right it uh what a journey in certain seasons probably seemed like it would never end too 
But, you know, I, in the beginning, well, in the beginning for years, you know, I took everything so personally, like this was, she was doing this to me. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was so not right. That was just off. And then as I just began to live with it more and sit with it, I could see that she was hurting right. and it was up to me, right. you know, wake, wake up and help this kid. Yes. You know, stop thinking, feeling sorry for yourself because she, <laughs> because she's not awarding you the mother of the year right. because she was hurting and I needed to help her get back to, to, to center mm. and not, not worry about me. So well, I think of, it, yeah, in the beginning of that, sorry, go ahead. No, I said the focus was not on, should not have been on me. Right. And that's where it's sad because we really start off this journey focused on, I'm going to do this. We think of marriage too. We do the same thing. We've picked someone because they're going to make me happy. Right. And you get married and realize, wow, now I've got to serve them the rest of my life. It becomes the opposite as you, after you get married, it's a lot harder. Same for you know, a lot of parents are offended by their kids um, and it's not discipleship. It's not growing them up. It's wounded parent raising a wounded child. Yeah. And, and I found when I got over that, it was Things also open. better. So, mm-hmm. so then that cloudless. So it, nice. these are realizations that come yes. like not, and, and, you know, maybe if I had done more homework in the beginning, I mean, you're always second guessing everything you do, but but when I finally realized that it was, it just shifted my whole, you know, um, strategy. Well, it's neat. That's neat to, you need to hear your story. You need to meet you. So good to, to see what you're doing, how you're putting some great things out there in the world. Um, I definitely suggest our listeners uh, reach out and get that book. It's on Amazon, Love at the Border and Adoption Adventure. And Anna, so great to talk with you. Thank you so much. This Look is really forward. terrific. Look forward to the next book. And you said the the second uh, children's book comes out later this summer, possibly? Yes. Great. So the first one is Many People to Love. And the second one is How I Wonder Where You Are. And I see the illustrations by Tatiana um, Lovanova. Yes. Is that someone local or from? No, she uh, She's uh, born and raised in Moscow and now lives in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. Neat. How did you yeah. make that connection? Uh, through one of the websites okay. for, you know, contract work. And, uh, okay. you know, I asked she, and her drawings just fit my image, oh. my imagination. So we oh, I love it. partnered. Yeah, I love the name. You said Moscow, though. That's funny. Tatiana, uh, friends of mine in Chile were had that name. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, so great. So great talking with you. Really fun. Yes, thank you so much. It was a very nice, easy conversation, and I enjoyed sharing with you. Wonderful. Bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.